When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Thoughts from a Page podcast, and my name is Cindy Burnett. Each episode, I interview authors about their latest works and others in the book world about their jobs, what those jobs entail, and the books that they love. For more book recommendations, check out my earlier episodes and my website, thoughtsfromapage.com, and follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Thoughts from a Page. In 2022, I hope you will consider joining my Patreon group. I offer at least three bonus episodes a month. We have a Facebook group where we talk all things books, and we are currently reading an advanced copy of a book and chatting with the author pre-publication. Soon, I will be offering a second pre-pub read and chat with an author. Thanks to those that already participate, and I hope you will consider joining us. Today, I am chatting with Mary O'Malley and Pamela Klingerhorn about their recommended reads for January through April of 2022. Mary is the free-range virtual bookseller at large for Skylark Bookshop author liaison and scheduling producer for A Mighty Blaze, and she is also a writer, grandmother, and chicken wrangler. She lives outside of Chicago with her husband and a menagerie of pets. Pamela has been a literary event planner since 2012. She enjoys attending and promoting literary events throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, and has been nicknamed the local literary fairy godmother. She is currently the literary event coordinator at Valley Bookseller in Stillwater, Minnesota, and the creator and host of the monthly literary program, Literature Lovers Night Out. I really hope you enjoy our conversation and add many books to your TBR. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Welcome, Mary and Pamela. I am so glad you guys are here to join me again, this time to talk about most anticipated reads for early 2022. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm Pamela Klingerhorn, the events manager at Valley Bookseller in Stillwater, Minnesota. 
And I am Mary Weber O'Malley, and I am a virtual bookseller for Skylark Bookshop in Columbia, Missouri. Well, I just absolutely loved both of your recommendations from our episode in the fall and ended up reading a number of those books. So I'm glad you're back to talk more books and add more things to my TBR. Thank you. I'm always happy to talk books. We are thrilled to be here. And today we are going to be talking about, uh, first we'll go through our fiction titles and we're going to go in order of their pub dates. And then each Pamela and I have one or two nonfiction titles that we'd like to share. And our final title that we are going to share with you today is a book that we are both just absolutely crazy about. And it is going to be on all of the best of lists. So stay tuned and we'll tell you all about it at the end. Sounds great. I can't wait. And then Pamela, before we start, you guys have an event, right? That you're doing together in February? Yes, Mary and I are going to be co-hosting an event on February 3rd with Marie Benedict. Her new book from Sourcebooks is called Her Hidden Genius, and Mary and I will be discussing it with her. Customers who are interested in participating can go to either the Valley Bookseller website or the Skylark Bookshop website and register there for this free event. And we promise that Marie will give a very enlightening discussion. She's always so entertaining. She is always so entertaining. So that will be so fun that you're doing that joint event together. I'm really looking forward to it, especially with Mary. Always. Well, great. Well, let's get started then. Mary, why don't you start with the first book on your list? Absolutely. So I am really excited about a couple of January releases. The first one is a climate fiction title. It's called The High House by Jesse Greengrass. And climate fiction is a fairly recent genre where all of the stories revolve around climate change. And in The High House, this is a book about a group of people that are strangers that come together after a world climate event and take refuge at a house that was built and then stocked to last through a climate event like this. So the world is underwater And a lot of the population has been lost and this group of people come together at this high house. It's a darker read. And yet by the end of it, you do feel some hope and it's not completely depressing, but it is very eye-opening as to how climate change could affect our world going forward in the not too distant future. I found it riveting. I found it very engrossing as far as feeling like I was living in this event. And that came out the first week of January. Great book club discussion book. I absolutely loved that book. And I've been telling everyone I know to read it. I just thought it was so engrossing and scary in terms of thinking about what could be happening soon, but also eye-opening. And maybe it will help more people understand what's coming. I agree completely with that. And my second January release book is, oh gosh, I forget what the the name for this genre is, but it's The Overnight Guest by Heather Gudenkoff. And it is a kind of survivalist fiction where this woman is in this house that's kind of cut off from everything. She's there for a reason. She's She's trying to get some closure on some things. And this farmhouse is very isolated. She's there trying to write a book and get this closure. And she's caught in a snowstorm. And in the middle of the the storm, 
she hears something and she goes outside and she finds a young child out in the storm. The child, she doesn't know where this child came from, how this child got there, where they were trying to go. She brings the child in, goes out looking again and finds a truck that has crashed with a woman who's severely injured. And it goes from there. This was a page turner. I could not put it down. It's one of those books with those those short chapters that you just gobble up like potato chips because it's just one more chapter. Just one more. Okay, just one more. And before you know it, you've missed dinner and hours have gone by. I love Heather's writing and this book just really, I I couldn't get enough of it. That one just arrived here recently and it sounds so good. And I do think that short chapter is the way to go with thrillers because what you just said, Mary, where you just keep turning the page, turning the page, you're like, oh, I can just read one more chapter. I can just read one more chapter. It's a really good device for making a book a page turner. Agreed. All right, Pamela, what's up for you? Oh, hello. I am really excited to tell you about a book that just came out on January 4th. It's called The School for Good Mothers by debut novelist Jessamine Chan. And this one is going to set your socks on fire. If you are a fan of Ray Bradbury or Margaret Atwood, this is a book for you. It has already been picked up by Jessica Chastain and is being adapted into some type of a TV series. It is so phenomenal. It's a young mother who makes the bad mistake of leaving her child alone for a short period of time. And she is turned into the authorities in the not so distant future. And she is assigned, or I should say sentenced, to go to the school for good mothers for retraining. It's very Stalin-like there and absolutely amazing. It's really incredible commentary about how critical we are of mothers and what is considered good mothering and the perfect mother. It's clever. It's well-written. It'll really keep you on your toes. It's an excellent choice for book clubs because, oh my gosh, you will have so much to talk about. And Jessamine Chan is just a fantastic author. I've seen her virtually on a couple of programs and she is so engaging. And I hope this book goes gangbusters. It's off to an excellent start from the sales figures I've seen for just the first couple of days. And I hope it's something that people are really going to pick up and embrace this January. Again, The School for Good Mothers by Jessamine Chan. And that was picked by Jenna for her Read with Jenna book club this month, right? Exactly. And I'm so pleased because I hope it really brings the title's attention to so many readers who are going to enjoy it. I wasn't even sure what it was about. And your description of it makes it sound like one I would actually really like. So I may have to add that one to my list. It was absolutely gripping. I went in to take a little taste before an event that we had with some of the Simon & Schuster's authors. And I just was up the rest of the night finishing it because I couldn't put it down. I had to know what happened to this poor woman. That's the best kind of book, though. I love those that I sit down literally to just flip through it to see what it's going to be like. And then I'm like, okay, I can't get up until it's done. Exactly. That's the sign of a sure winner. Absolutely. I agree with Pamela 100% on that book. It is absolutely engrossing and infuriating because it hits so close to home on what women are expected to be as far as motherhood and just moving through the world. Exactly. And I also wanted to second your nomination for the High House. That was such a gripping kind of, I guess you'd call it post-apocalyptic, wouldn't you, after the flood? Yeah, it's an amazing novel. So I'm so glad you recommended it. Great. All right, Mary, what's up for you next? So next, I have a dark noir title called The Houseboat, and this is by Dane Barr. He was born in Minnesota. He lives in Washington State. 
This book takes place on the Mississippi River. It's a a man who's living in this dilapidated houseboat that's moored on the river. His only companions are stolen mannequins. And he begins to spiral from bizarre to threatening. Down the way, a young girl is found along the, uh, a teenage girl is found on the road. And she is incoherent. She's screaming that her boyfriend was murdered. And then they see some other bizarre things happening in the town. So the town sheriff, he knows this crime is more than he can handle on his own. He calls on the regional marshal up in Minnesota. And the detective arrives to help him investigate this homicide and defuse the growing unrest. This is dark, dark, dark. It's so immersive. I was smelling the smells. I, I still just looking at the cover of this book. I'm brought back to this disgusting houseboat where this man lives. But it goes back, you know, through his life and and what brought him to this point where he is today how he became such an outcast. I just, I found this so fascinating and so engrossing and I just could not put it down. Anybody who likes the series Mindhunter, you would find this book to be fascinating. It comes to a conclusion that knocked me absolutely sideways. It kind of revs up as you go along and it's incredible. It's another, this one is a, uh, It's a February release, so it's coming out in the next couple of weeks. It's The Houseboat by Dane Barr. And it's got a great cover. You mentioned it and it taking you back to the story. When I looked it up, I thought, oh, that's a really startling, immersive cover. It is. It draws you right into the the book. I had to know what was inside. All right. How about you, Pamela? My next one is another book that is hot off the press. It's called The Maid by Nita Prose. Nita Prose is a longtime editor with Simon & Schuster in Canada, and she has now turned her hand to her own fiction, and she has been prepping for this moment her entire life. This book is magnificent. The Maid was picked up by Good Morning America as their book club selection this month, and if the School for Mothers is kind of dark and intense, this one is much more bright and light and fun, but still really quality literature. This one takes Molly the maid, and she's a very socially awkward character, but a fabulous cleaner. She is a stickler for details and really takes everything absolutely literally. The problem arises when she goes in to clean a room at the hotel where she works and finds a dead body and quite a bit of disarray. So what does a maid do? She cleans the room. It leads to all kinds of troubles. I'm kind of billing this one as an Eleanor Oliphant character meets Miss Marple. It is absolutely fabulous, wonderful, wonderful characters. And again, it's going to give book clubs so much to talk about. It's been optioned for a film. I believe it's already in production. And Academy Award nominated actress Florence Pugh is starring as Molly the Maid. So I think this is going to be a big one. It's a book that you can give to your book club friends, to your mom for a teacher gift. It's She's just an incredibly heartwarming character. It's poignant. It's funny. It's got a great mystery. This is just a book that begs to be in the hands of readers. So I hope people will rush out and get themselves a copy right away. It's been all over Instagram. And I did not know that about Florence Pugh. I love her. So that's fun. Very exciting stuff. Yeah. All right, Mary, your turn. Yes. So my next book is a historical fiction, 
And this takes place around a story that I did not even know was a thing until I read Marie Benedict's book, The Mystery of Mrs. Christie, which that book details this mystery surrounding Agatha Christie, who disappeared for 11 days, and nobody has ever figured out exactly why or how this happened. When she reappeared, she would not discuss it. I found the book fascinating. So this next book, which is coming out in February, is called The Christie Affair. It's by Nina de Gramont. And this details that same time with Agatha Christie and her disappearance, but it's all from the viewpoint of Agatha's husband's mistress. When Agatha Christie disappeared, her husband had just announced he wanted a divorce so he could marry his longtime mistress. So this book, The Christie Affair, takes that whole series of events, but it's from the point of view of the mistress, and I found it fascinating. It was so well-written, gave me so many things to think about. This would be a lot of fun for book clubs to discuss, especially those that have a bent towards historical fiction. I just found it riveting. That would be an interesting idea to pair it with Marie's book as well. I agree. I I think the two of them would give so much discussion. I've also read both of them and I agree. I think it just would be a wonderful combination for a book club to put those two together and talk about how the authors handle the material differently. Really interesting. Absolutely. It's a beautiful cover on that one. Gorgeous. So Pamela, are you up next? I am. Um, I have another January release coming up. This one comes out on January the 11th from one of my favorite authors, Diane Chamberlain. This novel is called The Last House on the Street. And if you liked her last one, Big Lies in a Small Town, you are going to be in for a treat with this new one. The Last House on the Street also tackles issues of race relations. This one has a dual timeline. In 1965, we've got very sheltered young white girl, Ellie Hockley, who decides that she is going to help register Black voters. It's extremely controversial at the time. And then we flip forward to 2010, where we've got a young widow named Keila Carter, and she and her husband have designed this great big house at the end of the street, but her husband tragically has an accident and dies before they're able to move in. She's moving into this house with kind of a sad feeling already, and things are happening in this community. The last house on the street is in a unique location, and history was going to rear its ugly head. And Diane Chamberlain will keep you turning those pages. She's got some wonderful characters and just a really intriguing plot. And with everything that's going on with voter registration in 2021 and 2022, this book is also just incredibly timely. And it's just a fabulous read. So The Last House on the Street, Diane Chamberlain, comes out January 11th. And I think your blurb was picked up for the Indie Next list or whatever they're now calling it for this book. It was indeed. You are correct. Yes, I was very enthusiastic about that one. (laughs) I saw that this morning. I thought, oh, good. I'm glad I saw this before we talked. Yes. All right, Mary, you're up again. My first title is Mercy Street by Jennifer Hay. She is the bestselling author of Heat and Light. And her new novel, which comes out in February, takes place around a women's clinic. And this woman, Claudia, has been working at this clinic for a long time. She's been there almost a a decade. She's counseled the patients there. This book takes place 
both in and outside of this clinic, I, I just found it so informative as to what it would be like to work inside one of these women's clinics that have become such a lightning rod for protests, the protesters that are there every day, the protesters that show up a few times a year and descend on the clinics, what it must be like to work inside one of those, what it must be like to be a woman who needs the services provided by these clinics. Jennifer writes with such passion and detail about the women who are coming to this clinic for its services, the protesters, and how they clash at different points. I couldn't get enough of this this book. I actually read it right after another book, a nonfiction book called Bodies on the Line, which gives you the history of the people who act as chaperones at the clinic, which again, makes a fantastic pairing of books for those of you who would want to read two books around the same subject, but looking at them differently. So Mercy House is just incredible, beautiful fiction, very in-depth character development in its characters. And I, I feel like this would also make an incredible audiobook as well on Libro FM. My next title is seeing, I'm seeing this on a lot of lists. It's getting a lot of buzz and all very, very much deserved. And it's called Memphis by Tara Stringfellow. This comes out in March. It is a beautiful work of fiction that is mothers and daughters. It's generational trauma. It's are we stuck in the situations that we find ourselves in? Or is there a way to break a cycle and move beyond it? This is a debut novel. I could not believe it was a debut. The writing is so rich and so beautiful. It is three generations of a Southern Black family and one daughter's discovery that she has the power to change their legacy. It's Memphis from Tara Stringfellow. I remember you talking about that before, or you posted about it, and it looks so good. I need to try to look that one up because I haven't seen very much about it yet. I have a copy sitting on my nightstand. I'm hoping to get to it very soon as well. It's beautiful. Okay, good. Well, I'll add that one to my list. Pamela, what's up for you? My next title is another January release. This one comes out on January 25th from Fiona Davis, and it is called The Magnolia Palace. I have read Fiona Davis's entire body of work. I'm usually enthralled with her historical fiction set in old world New York. She typically selects a landmark building and they almost become a character in the novel. This time she's chosen the Frick Museum, which was originally the home of the Frick family. And it's one of my favorite museums in New York because the building itself is just as magnificent to view as the contents of the museum. In this particular story, we've got a dual timeline where uh, back in 1919, this young artist model who has been a very big deal in New York City suddenly becomes involved in a scandal and has to kind of go into hiding. Through a series of misadventures, she becomes a private secretary of all things to Helen Frick, who is the daughter of the industrialist Harry Clay Frick. And she becomes involved in their lives and what is going on in the Frick Mansion. This flips forward about 50 years into the 1960s, and you've got a young English model who is doing a photo shoot that happens to be taken place in the Frick Museum. 
through misadventures and a snowstorm, she becomes stuck in the museum overnight. And she and an archivist who are also, is also stuck in the building end up kind of solving an old art mystery that was in the house. And it's very fun to go back and forth in time between the 1919 scenes and the 1960 scenes and see how both the house evolved and the character evolved and how they're going to all converge. And it's sort of a little bit of a mystery, great characters, wonderful things to talk about and all in this beautiful setting. And of course, if you have the opportunity to visit the Frick Museum once it reopens after it's being refurbished right now, by all means, you definitely need to read this book and then take a field trip. I love Fiona Davis. She's one of my favorite authors. I've read all of her books and this is my favorite. I just thought it was so fantastic. I have been recommending it already to everybody, even though it's not out. I think the Frick collection is beautiful. I liked the mystery. I liked all of it. And now next time I'm in New York City, I want to go all over the place and find Angelica everywhere. <laughs> Another good art history hunt for you. Exactly. It's so much fun. It is definitely a winner. All right, Miss Mary. All right. My next title is by one of my favorite authors who hails from Pamela's Neck of the Woods, Kathleen West. I loved her first two books and found them. Her first one was Minor Dramas and Other Catastrophes. The second one was Are We There Yet? I found them both to be very entertaining and well-written. Her next book, I think, is her best work yet. It is absolutely stunning. It's called Home or Away. When I saw the subject matter, I did not think I would like it. It's about hockey. I am not a sports person. And of all the sports, probably least of all hockey, Kathleen's writing brought me into the story. You don't need to be a hockey fan to absolutely appreciate her wonderful writing, her sense of style, her character development. This is Two Friends, One Olympic Dream, and The Choice That Stood in the Way. It's two best friends who thought they were both on the way to the women's U.S. hockey team, and only one makes the cut. There's so much else going on when the one who didn't make the cut returns to Minnesota years later to give her child a shot to really get immersed in hockey. The two friends reconnect. There is some Me Too subject matter going on in this book. There's relationships. There's relationships between spouses, there's relationships between friends, and there's the relationship between our past selves and our, our current selves and how we can reconcile the past with what we need to do for ourselves today. Incredibly well done. I'm such a huge fan of Kathleen's and I really truly feel this is her best work yet. I have to interject here too, because this one was going to be on my list as well, but Mary got to it first. Homer Away is definitely Kathleen West's best work. I also am not a sports fan, as my friends know, and reading about these people was absolutely so compelling. I'm like, I know these sports parents from my kids' days in high school, and it's wonderful just as kind of a domestic suburban drama, or if you're a sports fan, you're going to find a lot to satisfy you there too, but it's an all-around surefire bet. I was so glad to see that both of you all had posted recently about this one. I adore Kathleen personally. I've hosted her for my literary salon here in Houston right before COVID shut us down. I've interviewed her twice on the podcast. We're supposed to host her again in April, you know, fingers crossed with Omicron that that will happen. But I cannot wait to get to this one. And so when I saw you both raving about it, I was like, hallelujah, I can't wait to read it. You'll love it. Great. Pamela, what's up next for you? 
Right. I have got a February release for my next title. It is The Verifiers by Jane Peck. Jane Peck is an attorney by day, and she is now a debut novelist. And this book is so clever and fun and fast-paced, and it introduces us to an amateur sleuth named Claudia Lynn. And Claudia works for a company called The Verifiers. And what they do is they check the accuracy of people's online dating profiles. Claudia is excellent at her job, and she gets very immersed in one particular client who comes to her with an unusual case, and then that client goes missing. So Claudia is out solving the mystery of what happened and how this relates to the dating site. And she's also navigating a lot of very humorous scenes with her family. She is not interested in being part of the model minority expectations, nor is she interested in finding a nice Chinese boy. And her family has some problems with that. Uh, The family scenes at the dinner table are just hysterical. She's got some great siblings and the mother, they're, they're just wonderful. And so between the characters and the plot and the high quality writing, The verifiers absolutely just captured my imagination. I've never done any online dating. That came well after my time in the dating world. But this is so intriguing. And I think, you know, young 20 and 30-somethings are really going to embrace this novel. But there's a lot of interest in here for those of us who are far past the dating days. And the verifiers is just really fun, fresh fiction. I've seen some posts about it on Instagram, and it's got a fun cover. It does. And that comes out February 22nd. And so I hope people will do a lot of pre-ordering on this one because you're going to want to read it the first day. Okay, good. Well, as usual, Pamela and I agree so often on our books because I too loved The Verifiers. It's another one. I thought, you know, it wouldn't, I wouldn't get the enjoyment out of it because it's a younger protagonist and I loved it. The dialogue is witty. It's, it's got a little bit of snarkiness, which I loved. So I am in complete agreement on that. And now I have two books. My next two books are both of a sci-fi bent. Don't get scared off by the term sci-fi. Sometimes that will scare me off of wanting to read a book. I would tell you that I'm not a sci-fi fan. And then I read something. This is more fictional sci-fi. It's not outer space type sci-fi. These two titles, I both, I just love them so much. The first one is called Tell Me an Ending by Joe Harkin. This is a perfect book club book because you will want to talk about it after you've finished reading it. Tell Me an Ending takes place in the not-too-distant future using technology that is already in place, just hasn't quite been developed to this level. But in this book, there's a, a company that takes people who have suffered traumatic experiences who don't want to remember those experiences anymore. And they can go in and remove that piece of your memory so that in your mind, it has never happened. But as time goes on, they find that with some of the people who have had memories removed, they're having panic attacks and flashbacks, but they don't realize they're flashbacks because they no longer have these memories. They just know that something happened. After a couple of lawsuits, the company is forced to reach out to everybody that they have removed memories from and tell them, look, you had a memory removed. You, you know, you opted to never be notified about this, but now we have to 
and we have to give you the option of having that memory restored. It's people who who opt to go ahead and have the memory restored, other ones who don't, people who are suffering from these kind of flashback, flash forward experiences. It's the ethical dilemma facing the company with the technology, as well as the people who work there. And I already, I mean, we had a huge discussion when we were talking about this on a Zoom chat with booksellers. Would you, if you received this letter in the mail saying that you had paid good money to have something so traumatic, you never wanted to think about it again, would you be curious enough to then say, give me back the memory? Or would you want to go forward not knowing what it was that happened? So much to discuss with this book. Tell Me an Ending by Joe Harkin. I have that one and it looks so good to me. So I was thrilled to pieces that it was on your list because I was planning to get to it soon. And it just sounds completely intriguing. And what a great book club book. I I can't imagine a better book club book because in this bookseller discussion, everybody had a different answer when we went around and said, would you have a memory restored or not? Good. Well, I'm so glad to hear that you liked it. Loved it. Loved it. And my next one is a title. This author I don't know is very well known. I think this is her second book. She's the author of A Bend in the Stars. Her name is Rachel Berenbaum. And this novel is called Atomic Anna. And it's time travel, which again, I would tell you I don't like it. And yet I loved Una out of order, which was also time travel. I sometimes think I don't know what I like until I start reading it and realize that I do enjoy it. Atomic Anna is three brilliant women, two life-changing mistakes, and one chance to reset the future. It's a female scientist working in the days of Chernobyl and time travel back and forth. When I started this book, I didn't understand how the author, Rachel, was going to be able to tie this together and make it plausible. And she did. And she did it in such a beautiful way that I could not get through this book fast enough. The pages flew by. It's a woman who's going back and forth, jumping ahead and back, trying to fix the future and the past in order to prevent Chernobyl, while at the same time preventing the fracturing of her family. I loved it so much. I think it's absolutely brilliantly written. Rachel is a phenomenal author, and I feel like Book clubs would see a lot here to discuss as well. And I really hope that this generates some buzz and that people become familiar with Rachel and her work and they pick up Atomic Anna. I think it's just brilliant. At the risk of sounding like a broken record, this one also is high on my list and just arrived here not too long ago. And I posted about it actually in in a book mail stack. And several people said it was really good. So I cannot wait to read it. And your recommendation makes it sound even better. And it's got a really cool cover. It does. The cover pulls you in right away and gives you just a little taste of what's going to be inside. Good. Well, I'm going to bump that one up my list. Thank you. I've got it sitting on my nightstand too. So I also need to do some bumping. Yeah. You and I, Pamela, are like, yes, that's on our list. Yes, that's on our list. Mary and I usually get the same pile. So it's who gets to it first. We do. Exactly. But it's nice if you divide and conquer a little bit because you probably both know that you're going to like some of the same things. Exactly. And I feel very comfortable recommending a Mary Weber O'Malley recommendation. 
Well, my next recommendation is a March release, and it's called Let's Not Do That Again, which comes out on March 29th from Grant Ginder, who is retaining his crown as the king of snark. He is always so funny and snarky, and this one does not change anything. Let's Not Do That Again. This time focuses on a character named Nancy Harrison, who's running for Senate. She's sort of a Nancy Pelosi character. And she has a son and a daughter. And despite Nancy's best intentions and doing everything right on her campaign, her daughter throws a bomb into it by exploding literally on social media with a video of her hurling a champagne bottle through the window of a Paris cafe. And all kinds of things are going on in the background. So needless to say, that's not doing poor Nancy's campaign any good. Family dynamics chaos, hysteria, humor, and tragedy of running a political campaign and Grant Gender's excellent writing make Let's Not Do That Again just a really fun and riveting read. He's always so smart and he's funny and he's got these tear-jerking moments that are poked in there periodically. And you just see that his families, they're messy, but they're wonderful. You care about these characters. This is March 29th. Let's not do that again. If you're having a hard time waiting till March, you can read Grant's other novel, We People We Hate at the Wedding. I did not realize he had a new book coming out. Yes, March. And it's from, um, he moved over to Holt from Flatiron because his editor, James Melio, went over to help Holt too. Oh, okay. And I did not realize he had moved over to Holt as well. So I'm learning all sorts of good stuff. Yeah, they're a great team. Good. All right, great. Well, how about you, Mary? Well, As usual, I also loved Grant's book. In fact, I believe my blurb is in the cover. So that one, I agree with Pamela 110%. I love his snark and sarcasm. I just found myself chuckling out loud throughout. Uh, So that's that. My next book comes out in April. And this is another debut that just knocked my socks off. It is called The Sign for Home by Blair Fell. And this brought me into a world that I was completely unfamiliar with, the world of the deaf-blind community. And Blair Fell is an ASL, American Sign Language interpreter. And so he has, has drawn upon his experience as an interpreter to bring us this character, Arlo Dilly, who is young, handsome, and eager to meet the right girl. He also happens to be deafblind, a Jehovah's Witness, and under the strict guardianship of his controlling uncle. He's very sheltered in the world. And when he meets and gets this new interpreter, they do tactile sign language. So you might be familiar with old movies of Helen Keller, where she's somebody's doing signs, you know, in her hands. That's how tactile interpretation, sign language interpretation goes. I learned so much from this book, but it's not just educational. It is well-written. The character development is incredible. The characters are incredible. They're so well-written in and so relatable on different levels, and they are charming and witty. The dialogue is smart in this. The story is incredible and moves along at a fast pace. There's a lot that goes into it. I felt all the feels, all the emotions came out as I was reading this book. It comes out in April. The Sign for Home by Blair Fell 
It's an incredible debut and another wonderful pick for book clubs. That sounds intriguing and really different, which I always find very appealing. I agree. I love the. I had never read anything taking place around the deafblind community. So it, this was just a winner on all fronts. That sounds really good. Pamela, are you up next? I am, and I'm ready to move into April. On April 5th, Jane Green, who always goes to the bestseller list when she produces a novel, is coming out with Sister Stardust. Again, this is fiction, but it's the first time that Jane Green has ever used a true story for inspiration. This time, she has taken the woman named Talitha Getty, who was you know, part of the fabulously rich Getty family, and reimagines her with her fictional characters in Morocco. And it is this big, lush drama. You've got this young girl, Claire, who grows up in small town outside of London. She's very sheltered. She lives a fairly boring life. And one night she gets swept up in all the hoopla of some very exciting celebrities. And just through the luck of the draw, she gets swept away when they make this impetuous decision to take a trip to Morocco. And she suddenly is swept into this world of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You're going to see a lot of famous names who really did visit Salitha Getty at her Morocco home. You're also going to see this young woman who is suddenly immersed in this culture of which she has never known anything like it before. And as I'm reading, I'm thinking, gosh, you know, this poor little naive girl, and these people are fairly horrible. They are all, you know, very immoral, and they lead this really incredible, fast-paced life without any repercussions. And it's suddenly dawning on me that, oh my gosh, this is like a 2022 version of a Henry James novel. I'm seeing this young, innocent protagonist who's swept away into the old world and their different value system and the way that they corrupt her. And I'm thinking, wow, Jane Green has really nailed this. This is kind of going to be a classic for 2022. I mean, I would love to read this book, Sister Stardust, in conjunction with Henry James' Portrait of a Lady and have a book club conversation about this. I just can imagine you sitting around for hours talking about it. It is really an impressive work. And as usual, I know Jane Green's going to hop right on the bestseller list with this one. Well, that sounds intriguing. And there's definitely been a lot of pre-publicity about that one. For sure. All right, Mary, you're up. Okay. And just a side note on Jane Green's book, she does have a separate Instagram account that is called Sister Stardust, where she just posts these wonderful pictures of Talitha and her world. And I have found myself, you know, just constantly drawn to that. Pamela, you're absolutely right. It's just fascinating, wonderful, wonderful work. But that Instagram account will certainly whet your appetite for the book. Oh, that's so good to know. Yes, yes, yes. I am going to start following. Absolutely wonderful. And my next book, it's an April release. It's historical fiction It is called A Woman of Endurance, and this is by Dalma Llanos Figueroa, who was born in Puerto Rico and raised in New York City. Her first novel, Daughters of the Stone, was a finalist for the Penn Robert Bingham Prize. She's written short stories. I was unfamiliar with her. This book was another one that the cover just drew me in, and I I felt like I had to read it. The cover is absolutely awe-inspiring. 
a woman of endurance is set in 19th century Puerto Rican plantation society, and it follows Paola, a deeply spiritual African woman who's captured and later sold for the purpose of breeding future slaves. The resulting babies are taken from her as soon as they are born. She loses the faith that has guided her, and the dehumanizing violence of her life almost destroys her. She tries to escape. She's captured, beaten very severely, and then sold off to another plantation that is historically not as cruel. And this chronicles her life on the new plantation. This was an immersive, immersive, heartbreaking book to read. It was not an easy read, but I could not tear my my eyes from the pages. I needed to follow Pola as she went through her new life on this new plantation and the people she meets there. This gave me a very, very eye-opening look into Puerto Rican plantation life and the life that the slaves there led. I found it incredible and it it deserves many awards for its writing. It, it's just an incredible novel. So that is A Woman of Endurance by Dalma Llanos Figueroa. That sounds like a really hard read, but a really important read. Absolutely. I, in my mind, I equate it with Colson Whitehead and Underground Railroad. And I, I don't use that book lightly. If I'm pairing something with Colson Whitehead, it really affected me. And that's what this book did. It also makes me think of Yellow Wife by Sadiqa Johnson. Yes, very much so. I can see the comparisons there. All right, good. Well, I'll add that one to my list as well. Pamela, are you up next? I am. And my next title comes out on April 12th. If anybody wants to get my attention about a book, all they have to say is the word eugenics, and I have to read it. That is just such an incredible and unbelievable concept to me that I am fascinated by novels that deal with eugenics. And Dolan Perkins Valdez, who you'll all know from Wench, which was huge on the book club circuit, has a book coming out April 12th called Take My Hand. And this is inspired by real life events, takes place in 1973 in Montgomery, Alabama. There's a young nurse named Sybil Townsend, fresh out of school. She goes to work at a family planning clinic. She's really excited to help women, you know, control their reproductive lives and keep them safe from unplanned pregnancies. Her job, however, sends her out to start taking care of some young girls and giving them birth control shots of Depo-Provera. And these girls are only 11 and 13 years old. Red flags are going off right away. She goes to visit them. She can't understand what the problem is. She starts looking at things and she uncovers a conspiracy to prevent girls that the clinic and the government are deeming unfit for motherhood to give them birth control and also to sterilize them. And this was based on real events that happened, became a national scandal. And this character, Sybil Townsend, she's a wonderful way to tell the story. She's a great character. She is so torn between wanting to get emotionally involved and being able to maintain her compassion, but her professionalism as a nurse and keep her job. And Dolan Perkins Valdez does a fabulous job in Take My Hand. This is just a book that says, never forget. We can't forget history. Um, We can't forget what happened. All these poor people who were denied 
their reproductive rights because of uh, national policies. And of course, it unfairly targeted the poor, the minorities, the disadvantaged. It is truly a remarkable work of history. And that comes out, or I should say historical nonfiction, April 12th, and uh, Take My Hand. So if you are a historical fiction fan, I think this is going to be one of your top picks for the year. A lot of food for thought for book clubs to discuss as well. I cannot wait to get to this one. I have it, and it is very high on my list. It just sounds amazing. So I'm very happy to hear you recommend it. Yeah, it's a very gripping read. I think you're going to tear right through it. Great. All right, Mary, do you have one more? I have one more, and it is going to take us into the lighter side of things. For anyone who spent some time with Natalie Jenner's The Jane Austen Society and wants to go back to that peaceful, lovely world, you can. Natalie Jenner is coming out with her next book in May, and it is called Bloomsbury Girls. Bloomsbury Books is an old-fashioned, new and rare bookstore that has persisted and resisted change for a hundred years, run by men and guided by the general manager's unbreakable 51 rules. But in 1950, the world is changing, especially the world of books and publishing, and at Bloomsbury Books, the girls in the shop have plans. This is a beautiful look at that time and place and all the frustrations of being a woman who wants to do something more than be a housewife. The world of bookstores was typically a man's world at that time. And so Natalie has has brought together this cast of characters and also references the characters from the beloved book, The Jane Austen Society. And she's brought us back into this lovely world It's a a love story to bookstores and the people who work in them and why we do what we do. And I just adored it. So Bloomsbury Girls by Natalie Jenner coming in May. I am three quarters of the way through this one and I absolutely adore it also. It is just so well done. I was loving it too. I was so happy to revisit Natalie's wonderful characters that we met in the Jane Austen Society and then to be Plopped into this wonderful bookstore world with these amazing new characters that she introduces us to. It's such a gift to readers. The Bloomsbury Girls is going to be a big spring title. I love all of the other real life characters that end up in the story. Ellen Doubleday, Daphne du Maurier. It's just really cool to have some of that history brought into the story as well. Uh, I agree. It's just a gift to readers everywhere. Absolutely. Mary and I were arm wrestling for this one. I'm going to go first, but I'm going to let her tag in on the end. Uh, This is Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus comes out April 5th. And Mary and I both were very excited about this book. It is one of my top picks for the year. And you're going to find that it is some serious meat, but there's a lot of humor. And the character of Elizabeth Zott is brilliant. She is what they call in 1960s a lady chemist. And despite her brilliant scientific mind, she is always relegated to coffee duty and things like this at the laboratory where she works. And the men, of course, undermine her and don't take her work seriously, despite the fact that she is probably the most brilliant among them. Eventually, she is sent to do a TV cooking show. Now, normally that would be a step down in the world of chemistry, but this is Elizabeth Zott we're talking about. And she 
makes this an absolute barn burner of a show for women. This acknowledges women's role as chemists in the kitchen. She approaches cooking from a scientific perspective, and it is wonderful. It's witty, and the writing is fabulous. Elizabeth Zott is one of these characters that is going to stick in your brain, and you are not going to be able to forget her. I have not heard if there's any movie or TV series buzz on this book yet, but I would be very surprised if that does not happen. Elizabeth Zott is empowering women as she teaches them to cook, and she is a force of nature. This book is full of humor, wit, and wisdom. And Elizabeth Zott is a character that everybody needs to meet. I'm going to let Mary toss in her words of praise here, too, because I know that she's bursting at the seams with excitement. I'm literally sitting here just smiling as I'm listening to you talk about this. This is going to be, without a doubt, one of my top reads of 2022. I know we are just in January. I've been reading through July at this point. This is hands down one of my favorite reads, and it is going to be, I believe, a limited series on, I think, Apple TV. I could be wrong on that, starring Brie Larson, I believe. Oh, fabulous. That is in the works. This has been described as Mad Men in Julia Child's Kitchen, which I think is a beautiful description of it. I found myself so many times while I was reading this book, actually putting my fist into the air and and shouting out loud. I found myself talking to the book. I found myself talking to Elizabeth. The characters in this book, the, the side characters are so incredible from the you know atheist pastor to the TV producer to her daughter. And I've never seen a dog hold my attention as its own character the way this one has. The dog's name is 630. And he is his own amazing character as well. This is a triumphant, triumphant novel. It's brilliantly written. It is shades of Eleanor Oliphant, shades of of the maid a little bit. You know, there's these women that don't fit into the stereotypical woman of that time. But Elizabeth Zott will jump right into your heart and soul and you will never let her go. That's right. And don't forget, children, set the table. Your mother needs a moment. Well, I already have bumped this one up my list after you both were raving about it before we recorded. So it will be very next for me and I cannot wait to read it after that high praise. That's great. And I think now we are ready for nonfiction. And then you have a couple, Pamela. So why don't you go first this time? Great. Uh, My first one is a memoir that's coming out March 1st. And this is called Never Simple by Liz Shire. This is a memoir that really left me gobsmacked. This woman's mother, Judith Shire, she's never going to be mother of the year. But her Liz Shire, the daughter, her writing gave me great empathy for this woman. I was crossing my fingers that she would find some peace by the end of the memoir. But it's amazing how this veneer of wealth and education and white privilege protected a pathological liar from being found out. And it also prevented her daughter from getting the assistance that she needed. This woman, she's a charming monster as a mother, but she is still a monster. And she inflicts terrible pain on her daughter. Liz Shire had just an incredibly 
difficult childhood. And it's beyond belief that neither the school, the neighbors, or any parents or friends stepped in to alert the authorities or to protect her when she was just a kid. I mean, nobody's life growing up is is simple, but uh, this one is really never simple. It's just the makings of a nightmare. My hat is completely off to Liz Shire. She raised herself. She's this independent and highly functioning adult and now a loving parent herself. I mean, she's really a testament to a love between a mother and daughter, but also being able to overcome um, incredible odds to actually raise herself as a fully functioning human being and an adult. It's quite something as a memoir. Mental illness, all kinds of things, but she was a masterful liar and she wove this web of deceit that people just did not see through. And Never Simple is a memoir that's going to kind of... um leave you just awestruck and comes out March 1st. And if you are a memoir reader, this is one that you are going to want to have on your bookshelf. I am a memoir reader. So I'm going to have to add that one to my list. Great. I think you will be very pleased after you read it. I just finished that book this morning. And yes, any fan of The Glass Castle is going to want to race out and pick up a copy of Never Simple. You've got another really hard to love parent, but Liz Shire manages to write about her with some, you know, compassion and she faces the reality of the situation, but it's, it's a really unforgettable memoir. Okay, good. Well, what's up for you, Mary? All right. My final book is one that has stayed in my brain since I read it. The title is Lost in the Valley of Death. It's by Harley Rusted. It's the story of obsession and danger in the Himalayas, but it's a little bit of everything. So the last book that hit me like this was Why Fish Don't Exist by Lulu Miller, which speaking of eugenics is a great read for that. This book is part travelogue, part mystery, part survival story. Fans of Into the Wild will find this very interesting. It's the story of Justin Alexander Shetler, who went to India in search of adventure and authenticity and never came back. Was his disappearance the result of a crime, an accident, or a profound spiritual transformation? So there was so much to unpack in this book. And the author, he's a journalist, but he he reminds me of Eli Saslow in that he's just giving you the facts, but he still makes you feel so much as you're reading. And he piqued my interest on so many things. I found myself looking up maps. I found myself looking up. There's a phenomena of people who visit India for extended periods of time. A lot of people will have this medical condition that's it's an amnesia and they'll be found wandering, having lost days or even weeks of time. Sometimes that's a result of the drugs people try when they go. Other times, it's just this unexplained phenomena, and it happens often enough that there are actually companies that have been set up that are made up of people who know India well enough. They know how to go into the country and look for these people that go missing, and people go missing in India all the time. So there's that component. There's the beauty of India. There's the spiritual aspect, and Harley takes us into all of the different spiritual realms that make up India and beliefs and what people go there to search for. And Justin Alexander Shetler, he also, he was the survivalist in the age of hashtags. So 
he ran survivalist camps. He knew how to go off and live off the land. He would spend time in caves and, and do just fine. But he was also a constant seeker. And as we go through the book, we find out some things in his background that kind of set him on this lost boy quest to find some purpose in the world. There's so much going on in here. It's the lost city of Z meets Eat, Pray, Love, set in the Himalayas and the age of hashtags. Justin goes to India several times. And the last time he comments to you know all of his social media followers, he makes these comments that he just wants to go off and, and live his days in a cave. He doesn't want to be bothered anymore. And some people still believe that's what he did. However, he went with this shaman on this, this pilgrimage to this lake, and the shaman came back without him. And when people started asking questions, there were more questions than answers. And eventually, Justin's belongings, things that he was never seen without, are found next to this river. And this raging river in this valley claims the lives of many people who wander off and fall off a cliff. There's treacherous trails. There's just so much going on here. This book will haunt me for so long. It's, like I said, it's so much wrapped into one work of nonfiction. If there are nonfiction book clubs out there, race to add this to your schedule. This comes out, I think it came out maybe last week. It's it's a January release. It is fascinating. And obviously, I'm very excited about it. I have not been able to stop thinking about it since I read it some time ago. When you guys sent me your list and I looked up the books I wasn't familiar with, this was one of them. It looks so good. I pre-ordered it on Libro FM so I could listen to it as soon as it comes out. I think it comes out on the 11th, at least on Libro, it comes out on the 11th. I don't know if the print book came out sooner. No, I think you're right. It's it's Tuesday. Fantastic. Yes. So I cannot wait. It will be my next one. When I finish up the one I'm listening to now, next up is Lost in the Valley of Death. It sounds phenomenal. It does. It sounds really good, Mary. All right, Pamela, I think you have our very last book. Yes. My last book, again, is a nonfiction title coming out on January 25th. It's called Emotional Inheritance by Dr. Gallat Atlas. Dr. Atlas is an award-winning psychoanalyst, and this time she is sharing some of her patients' stories as well as her own stories and a lot of research that she's done about intergenerational trauma. This is a really hot topic right now about how our past informs not only our own future, but our descendants' futures which is just an amazing concept. Of course, she incorporates discussions of you know, Holocaust survivors and how their children and their grandchildren and great-grandchildren were affected by that horrific experience. But she also takes her other patients' stories and shares their emotional pain and how that influences their families and their descendants. It's just a really fascinating look at how we all carry this baggage, whether it's from our own lives or from our ancestors' lives. And I think it will really help a lot of people who are maybe carrying around a lot of weight and they don't know why because it hasn't necessarily happened in their lives. And Dr. Atlas just does a great job of breaking that all down in a really easily conversational reading tone. It's like sitting down with a friend as she shares these stories 
And I think emotional inheritance, if you're a nonfiction reader, is going to be something that really resonates with a lot of people. And like Mary said, nonfiction book clubs or book clubs that like to add a nonfiction title to their list for the year will find a lot to talk about in emotional inheritance. I think it's really going to be a groundbreaking work this year. Comes out January 25th. And that could be paired with so many fiction titles. You know, there are a lot of books that really deal with that like why there's this trauma or unspoken thing in the family or elephant in the room or whatever it is that people don't understand what's happened before them and how that will definitely trickle down for generations. I love pairing books and seeing how authors deal with the same or similar materials and how reading them together enriches your experience. I agree completely. I just finished reading The Many Daughters of Afong Moy by Jamie Ford, his next book. Ooh, that's my next book. And that deals with, Pamela, you're going to read it and you're going to see how it pairs perfectly with the book you're just talking about, because it's all about the trauma we pass down from generation to generation, especially, you know, within women. So I think you're going to, you're going to see that to be a perfect pairing. Great. Thank you. And I'm even more excited to read Jamie Ford's new novel. Well, this has been delightful as always. Every time I speak with you two, my list grows exponentially. But that's a good thing. So I'm so happy that you both came on and I can't thank you enough. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. I'm always happy to talk books with you and Mary, of course. So anytime you're interested in hearing what we're excited about in the future, just let me know. I agree completely. And if your list has grown, then our work here is done. And I hope your listeners' lists will grow as well. I am sure they will. Thank you both again. It was wonderful. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you like this episode, and I hope you did, please follow me on Instagram at Thoughts From A Page. Consider joining my Patreon group to access bonus content. Tell all of your friends about the podcast and rate it or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would greatly appreciate it. I hope you'll tune in next time. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And And we're we're the the Professional Professional Book Book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!